Biden sticks with the status quo. And then the day before the convention, he just like chaotically withdraws at the last minute. And then you have a completely unstructured floor flight. Yeah, that'd be fun. I mean, <laughs> right? Like that you could order SEAL Team You could order SEAL Team Six to to murder Donald Trump, and then I'll just I just won't care who wins the election anymore for the most part. Hello, and welcome to a special free episode of Politics, the podcast. I'm Brian Boiler, and I'm Matthew Iglesias, and that's that's Susan over my left shoulder. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so after last week's episode, something pretty consequential happened in politics. You probably heard. Um, there's a prosecutor named Robert Hur, who was a, a senior Trump Justice Department official, uh, who Merrick Garland, uh, the current Attorney General, in his infinite wisdom, uh, appointed uh, to be special counsel to investigate how classified documents ended up in Joe Biden's archives. Um, and so he released his report last week, um, and it found no basis to charge anyone with a crime. Uh, he even noted in his report how much more ethically Biden had conducted himself when he discovered these documents than Donald Trump did uh, with the documents he like he like hid at Mar-a-Lago. Um, but um, Robert Hur also took these uh, gratuitous pot shots at Biden uh, for being old and forgetful. And he even like conjured a scenario where he imagined a jury would be unwilling to convict Joe Biden of anything, no matter what, because Biden would just defend himself by presenting as an old, forgetful man. Um, and since Democrats and the media and the broader public were already fixated on Biden's appearance as an old person, um, this kind of served like uh, as a big independent confirmation of everyone's doubts. And so all hell broke loose. There's been lots of lashing out. Democrats are in damage control mode. Um, and of course, it's just renewed questions about Biden's viability as a candidate against Trump. That sounds correct. Okay. Um, uh, well, sh we should not, we should like, I think, stipulate, we don't want to do a regular conversation about like, is Joe Biden too old per se? Everyone's been hashing that question out for, well, since like 2020, basically. <laughs> um, I, interestingly, I, I, as far as I can tell, Biden's polling got slightly better after, <laughs> after Hearst report came out. Um, you know, but I mean, I do think we should we, I, I try to talk about Biden's age, I guess, in a serious way. I mean, uh, to me, part of what set the stage for the her freak out was actually the announcement several days earlier that Biden had declined the opportunity to do a Super Bowl pregame show interview with CBS News. Uh, the president normally does an interview during the Super Bowl pregame show that had been going on for years. It didn't happen last year because the White House sort of tried to, um, it, it was a Fox um Super Bowl. It was it was their year. And so they were trying to have Fox News personnel do it. The White House tried to sort of like strong arm against Fox News and say they wanted to do it with um, a journalist from the Fox Soul subbrand, which is like African-American focused media. Fox wouldn't back down. The White House wouldn't back down. It, it all seemed sort of reasonable. Like I, I could see everybody's point of view on this. There was no really good 
explanation for why Biden didn't want to do the CBS interview, other than the fact that the White House clearly has a general strategic philosophy of making Joe Biden available for a smaller number of interviews than prior presidents have done. And this then manifested itself after her report came out, uh, based on reporting like Joe Biden personally said that he wanted to do a press conference to address questions about this, um, that he got pushback from his staff who didn't think that was a good idea. He insisted. He went out. He took questions from reporters. He did, in the course of answering a bunch of different questions, like mix up Mexico and, and Egypt, but he wasn't actually confusing. You know what I mean? Like this, it was like a totally normal thing where you see somebody talking about what they're doing and like he said the wrong word, but nobody who was watching that could have believed that Joe Biden believes that the president of Mexico's name is Al-Sisi or that Al-Sisi is, a, he was talking can, about can the you, Egypt can you, I, Because I, I like, I, w- I was writing during yeah. th- that press conference and I, I know that this happened, but I didn't actually watch it. Is the issue that because- Egypt shares a border with Gaza and we share a border with Mexico. Was that like the locus of the I mean, sure. Up? I mean, I, I, mean, okay. I, mean I, I think that's what, what was going on. But I mean, just to clarify that, like, this is one of these things where, you know, and, and Libs pointed this out, like Michael Johnson two days earlier had gone on television and mixed up the names of two countries. Um, like people do this. Trump all- does it all the time. I mean, Trump is even different because, like, Trump is an elderly man. Mm -hmm, It's just that, like, when people speak rapidly live on their feet, they don't always communicate as clearly as when they are writing. Like, if you compare our podcast to our columns, the (laughs) the mode of expression in the podcast is much slipperier. Like, that's how oral culture works, right? And so he was answer he was describing his efforts to address the situation at the Rafah crossing, which is the southern border of the Gaza Strip rather than the southern border of the United States. And he said, I was on the phone with the president of Mexico, Al-Sisi, and I told him, da 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 And like, Al-Sisi is the name of the president of Egypt. And he just correctly described the contents of a, a telephone conversation with him. Now, you also, I cannot off the top of my head recall what is Al-Sisi's first name, um, I know that we call the president of Mexico AMLO, but if I was the president of the United States addressing a formal press conference in the West Wing, it would probably occur to me that I shouldn't call him AMLO, that I should refer to him respectfully as president. But I don't actually don't know if the correct term is, is it Lopez Obrador. Obrador? Is it President Lopez? Is it Because it's like, I know in my head that Spanish naming conventions are a little bit different from American ones. Uh, but despite my Latinx heritage, personally, I just like, I don't know, right? And, and that's not because I'm old. Um, and it's not even because I don't know who the president of Mexico is. That's just what, what happens when people speak. But the truth underlying all of this, is that Joe Biden is not the kind of vigorous presence in the media that most presidents have been, and that they have described this consistently as like a a philosophy, right? Like a contrast with the annoyingness of Donald Trump. Um, that Joe Biden is going to run a low-key presidency that focuses on taking care of business. And that's not a like totally insane idea or anything. 
but it absolutely echoes the impression that he's just like too sleepy or something yeah, so to, to I, bother I, doing it. And I want to no, be like both, there's no getting around that. Like I want to be like both fair to him and also suggest that like part of the rationale that his staff have for advising him against doing these interviews is that they suspect that like something will happen in the interview that will generate yet another round of discussion about his age, right? Because it is true um, that White Houses have good reason to be frustrated with the White House press corps and the kinds of people who tend to do um, these big marquee interviews, right? Like, like Biden did one with John Harwood, who's a friend of this pod and like I think we're both fond of and think is a good journalist. But most of the people who have John Harwood's profiles don't ask the kind of questions that Harwood asks, right? Like they would sit down with Joe Biden and even if this – report hadn't come out, they would have asked him about Hunter Biden. They would have asked him about just a bunch of stuff about about his age, probably. Like a bunch of stuff that Biden's aides rightly understand is just not helpful to talk about. And then, you know, you you see like reporters reacting to the fact that there's very low awareness of Biden's legislative accomplishments in the public. And they're the same ones who are like, well, if I had a chance to interview him, I wouldn't ask him about what's in the Inflation Reduction Act or like how it's working. Is the implementation going well? They'd ask him about his gaffes or whatever. But like this has been happening forever, right? Like Barack Obama, you know, uh, got punchy with the press corps during a period where he wasn't doing a lot of press conferences uh, for the same reason. And they eventually wore him down. And I remember this clearly. He went to the White House briefing room and he took a bunch of questions about all kinds of things, including the economy. And at some point during that press conference, he said – he was referring to the fact that the job losses that the country was still recovering from were mostly public sector job losses. And he said, the private sector is doing fine. And like the assembled reporters all instantly knew Republicans are going to pounce on that quote. And so they made that quote. Yes. The only takeaway from the, it didn't like, yes, that frustrated Barack Obama, but he didn't then decide I'm never doing sit down interviews anymore. I'm never, I'm not going to take advantage of, of the Super Bowl thing. And so I think that even like in the most generous read of the situation, there's just a level at which his staff don't trust him or the press enough to do these things on the regular without just kind of making it like a, a an endless cycle of like, what about your old man gaffes? Well, and I think, I, I mean, I, I think it's a mistake. You know, yes, I, mean, I, I think would if agree. you, I think if you don't want to do these press scrums, um, that's fine, and you should say I'm not going to do press scrums because I think press scrums are bad because I think you people who sit in this room are bad people who do your job poor. You, you know, like you should be yeah. really aggressive, mm-hmm. and then you should do lots of interviews. You know what I mean? Like you should say I think a better way to communicate would be to do a recording with Robinson Meyer about the Inflation Reduction Act, you know, to do a recording with, you know, like pick journalists who you think will ask substantive questions, sit down with them and answer their questions and be doing things like that frequently to the point where like some things that are, that are just clear if you, if you watch Biden speak, right, is that he speaks more slowly than he used to. He is trying to choose his words carefully, and he is succeeding at it. 
And like the way he is succeeding at that is by speaking more slowly. Trump speak ha, Trump has addressed becoming older by not slowing down the pace at which he speaks at all. So he's just constantly saying things that are wrong. There are these like good video compilations about it. But like he when he doesn't know somebody's name when he's sitting around a table, he just calls them the wrong name. Um, and like, I don't know. Steve Apple. You know, it's no, was it Steve Apple? And, and you're (laughs) used to it, right? Cause like that, that's Trump's performance. And like Biden talks slowly. Tim Apple. Yeah. Tim Tim Apple. Apple. Um, I had a Biden moment just, but you know, he, he called Kevin McCarthy, Steve, uh, because he thought he was Steve Scalise. I, I don't even say because he thought he was Steve Scalise, but because the way human memory works, right? You slot people into these categories. So Tim Cook is the CEO of Apple. Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise are both Republican Party congressional leaders, or at least they were at the time. So you get these slips and it's like, people can care or not care. I think that if you put yourself in the position of not using the incumbency advantage, that like people want to do an interview with the president of the United States, right? If you're somebody else, if you are... um, I don't know who, right? Sheldon Whitehouse. And you would like a high profile interview in which you expound on your thoughts about the Inflation Reduction Act. You like probably can't make that happen. <laughs> right? But like- Yeah, Joe he, Biden, w- he might come on the politics podcast. I, I would love to talk to him about it. But it's like, <laughs> Joe Biden could call up like you, me, any journalist working in this town and could be like, we want you to record at 3 a.m. while the president is in Tokyo remotely and ask questions exclusively about dogs. And like, you'll find somebody <laughs> to do that. It's like, he's the fucking president, right? And if you- if you talk yourself into the idea, you know, there's um stated preference versus revealed preference, right? And so, like, yes, people say that they like the idea of a president who is less in their face. But, like, actually what happens is that, like, the news cycle exists with or without Joe Biden in it. And, like, if you don't take up space in the news cycle, it will get filled with something else. Right, like, yes, because he's he's the president now. Again, Sheldon Whitehouse can just drop out of the news for like months at a time if he wants to. It's it's like it's not a big deal. Um, even the local TV stations up in is it Rhode Island, Delaware, wherever the fuck Rhode Island. Right? There's like not that much to cover. It's slagging in Rhode on Sheldon Whitehouse. <laughs> no, no, I mean I'm just using it as an example, right? Because Biden is a what what he is is a veteran small state senator. Right, who like most people in Delaware who were alive as of the mid aughts, like had met Joe Biden personally, right? And like he's this small in the room stuff, like it works great. He could drop in and out, and like it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But he's president of the United States, and like you've got to be in the media. And, and I think that operates on a, on a number of different levels. And I also think that this like turning it to just be like a point that we've both made is like Donald Trump is a is a doddering old man who is constantly misstating things, who is constantly forgetting people's names. He said Viktor Orban was the president of Turkey. I think he said that like a couple times. Right. He's gotten it in his I, – I'm not even totally sure what the association between those things is. Just that they're both strong men, right? Like Orban's in Hungary um, right. and, and Turkey's run by Erdogan and they're similar kinds of characters. And so in Trump's head, they're right. easy to and it's, and it's a fine point to make because it's like – it's accurate, 
Um, but I, I read this. There was this like kind of dumb, was the Times article somewhere. It was like, why age doesn't like hurt Trump as much as as Biden? And they were like talking about Trump's posture and how he's fat and stuff. But like the issue is that if I watch a Donald Trump speech in which he does all this insane ranting and raving, like I, I just like I sincerely don't think, oh, I'm concerned that the guy isn't energetic enough to pull this all <laughs> off, right? Like it, he's like up there and he's like, I want to do fascism and open concentration camps around the country. I'm not like, wow. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I hope he's got the stamina to work the phones and make that <laughs> happen. Right. Like it's, it's, it's horrifying. And like, if he had, a, if he had a genuinely like, not just, you know, the, the, the random, bullshit that comes out of his mouth about the escapades in a, a fantastic death penalty or whatever the weird thing he said the other day was, but just like if he fell asleep or whatever, if he, if he started tweeting Kofefe all the time and it seemed like really he was coming down. <laughs> yeah. Like it might be better. <laughs> well, well, it just, it doesn't, we would be, we would feel like, we would feel like, okay, the guy, the guy is, is, like losing an essential attribute that he needs to pull off his dark and grotesque vision for the country. <laughs> like, I mean, a, a, a normal argument that I have with, you know, Trump voters who are not super enthusiastic Trump voters, but you know, pe- people who are people who I know who are going to vote Republican is I'll be like, uh, I don't think it's a good idea to elevate an authoritarian madman. And then they'll be like, he's not actually going to do that stuff, right? I mean, this was like a big part of the pre-January 6th discourse, right? Was this like, just let him tweet, right? Like he's an ineffectual old man. That's the defense of Trump, right? That's not a critique of Trump. Yeah. Um, you know, and so your criticisms of Trump have to um, relate to, I mean, I always like, I'm for message discipline. I don't think that Democrats should just like emote uh, like exactly the deepest, darkest feelings of, of resistance libs. But there has to be some connection, right? Like when you say Donald Trump is going to try to overthrow fair elections, that's a criticism of Trump that like is sincere. Right? Yeah. Like that, that's what liberals saying. And when you do a policy critique, like he's going to take away people's uh, health care. Like th- those are the things people worry about. Like Trump is going to spend time twiddling his thumbs in the White House basement. Like that's great. Like by all <laughs> means. Like I, um, I think that what you're like, that we're, 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 we're kind of dancing around is that there is in some sort of objective sense, I think something unfair about the fact that no matter what happens in the world or no matter how, clear it is that Biden is up to the job of president, media coverage always returns to his age. And it, you know, he's three, I think, years older than Donald Trump, which is not that much in the scheme of things. Um, And he's significantly less mentally disordered than Donald Trump. And so I think a lot of liberals, and like I often feel this way myself, think, that the coverage is it's just like not fair. It's it's like unprofessional almost in insofar as like if if media really does want to fixate on the age question, then they need to have like a more balanced kind of coverage in the same way that like if the media really did care about 
document security or retention or whatever in 2016, then they would have covered Donald Trump's history of like destroying evidence and whatever. Well, I continue in conjunction to cover with, it once Trump once Trump became president. And once Trump became president, you didn't, you like, didn't have like full court press coverage. Right. I'm like, how, wh- how are they emailing? And and so and so and so like I think the instinct among like liberals like us who have at least some clout with political reporters is to be like do some media criticism, do some media ref working in part because I th- I think the last few months have borne out that this can work, right? Like it was media ref working, I think in large part that uh, sort of uh, upended the, the yearish long cycle of the press reporting on a strong economy in doom and gloom terms. It was just like enough noise was made about how crazy that was that, that it just started, fil- started filtering into coverage and the coverage of the economy has been good for like several weeks now. And you could do the same thing with age. And, you know, like, like I saw my, my, my old boss, John Favreau was like, I, I wish liberals would spend a little bit less time obsessing about what the media is saying about Biden age, because there's like that, that's not changing. And, you know, like my response was sort of like, uh, it could change. Like, like we've seen it change. We've seen that people mm-hmm. who have that kind of influence can really change how the the people who control the front pages and the A blocks of cable shows or whatever, like they, they can be influenced. Um, and I still think that's true, but I do take your point that there's a sort of careful what you wish for aspect to this insofar as what liberals should want is for the press to home in on Trump's actual liabilities. And as you say, it's not clear to me that Trump is also old is a real liability Right. I mean, it's right. I mean, it's a kind of like a, a calling it to question the good. I mean, I, it's, it's a bit of an odd one, I think. I mean, it's true. This is where, you know, something that strikes me because I, I people people talk all the time about Biden's age, you know, privately, interpersonally. It's a it's a frequent topic of discussion among, you know, among Democrats, among swing voters, among, you know, Trump skeptics, etc. Something that I have taken to doing is I try to ask people a little bit more about like, what did they envision being better about like a hypothetical younger Biden? Where either it's like we're doing a CGI de-aging of Biden or some other person is the nominee, et cetera. And something that I think is telling about this is that, you know, when I talk to people who are uh, more progressive than I am, um, who tend to be people who are on the younger side, usually what they are saying is that their imagined younger Joe Biden is going to be more left wing than the actual Joe Biden. Like part of what they're saying when they say that Biden is too old is that Joe Biden has the values and political ideas of his cohort of Democrats and that they want different, more left-wing ideas that they associate with younger Democrats. Then when I talk to my like cranky old moderate buddies, they have exactly the opposite vision of this, right? Like their view, if we had like Steve Bullock as president instead of Joe Biden, is that they would have had, after winning in 2020, right? Like younger Biden would have had more boot on the neck of the left, 
right? Would do less kind of like preconceding that he's yesterday's man and he needs to have all these Warrenite staffers and be constantly looking over his shoulders. And those are both, I think, like plausible hypotheses. Like these aren't like stupid ideas that people have in their head. But I think it goes to show that like one reason the age question looms so much over Biden is that it it both bridges but also papers over like substantive disagreements. Or then another thing, right? People, a lot of people are really fired up still to this day. They feel that Biden badly mishandled withdrawal from Afghanistan. And I think that's bullshit. I think that's like mm-hmm. a bullshit charge against Biden. And whenever you ask people about it, you'll be like, I'll say like, well, do you think we should have just had troops in Afghanistan forever? And they'll say like, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. But he handled it so badly. And, you know, I push them on him. Like, really? Like, is relative it really? Relative to what? <laughs> is, right. Like, relative to what? Like, what evacuation, right? And we know it was in the face of opposition from military commanders. Like, I think some of the best evidence of Biden's mental acuity and the value of his experience is that, like, he watched both Barack Obama and Donald Trump get boxed out by senior military commanders. And he operated from the beginning of his own volition to get out of the box, checkmate them, achieve his policy directive, end a war that needed to be ended, fulfill a campaign promise. Unfortunately, like, people didn't get away totally clean, but that's because it's impossible. But then what people will come back at me with is not like specific, detailed, tactical argument of how this could have been better, but just like, well, you can tell he's old, right? So it's Which is like, a, non, it's a total non sequitur, right? Okay. But I, it's, look, it's just to say that like anyone who is like 75% pro-Biden, they just fill in like the way he could fulfill all my hopes and dreams is by being quote unquote younger. Yeah. But what they always mean by that is that, like, this younger person would be different, which I think underscores the fact that, like, Joe Biden is just not as charismatic as Barack Obama was or as Donald Trump is. And, like, that that's, like, why when he ran for president in 2008, he didn't do that well. Like, he's just, he's just like, not a dynamo, and he never was. And, like, unfortunately, like, if you construct your ideal uh, presidential nominee, it's like not the guy who got creamed in 2008 because he's not that charismatic. I'm going to have to believe you that, that, I mean, I, yes, I've, I've, I've experienced this where like, like, uh, Biden's age is some sort of like stalking horse for some other thing they don't like about him or that they wish were different in the world. Right. Um, and like, maybe I'm the only liberal in America who whose concern about Biden's age is is really about w- what you were just talking about? Because yeah, Biden was never like um, a, like a smooth character, but he had a kind of charisma and he had um, rhetorical chops, right? Like he was the everyone to this day associates Rudy Giuliani with a noun of verb a nine eleven, but the person who came up with that construction was Joe Biden in two thousand eight when Rudy Giuliani was running in the Republican presidential primary. And if you go back and you watch um, the vice presidential debates from 2008 that Biden did against Sarah Palin and 2012 that he did against Paul Ryan, 
Um, he was he had a really high speed fastball. He won those debates, even though Palin and Ryan were obviously significantly younger than him. Even then, he un, he he had quicker recall of the details and and precision when he spoke. And he's just genuinely lost those things. And like that doesn't mean I worry about him as president, right? Like I slept poorly through most of the Trump presidency, not because Trump was old, but because he was, you know, um, malicious and narcissistic and impulsive and just kind of an idiot. And I, what that person is going to accidentally get us into a war, accidentally like not prepare the country for a pandemic. And it's going to be really horrible. And I never feel that way about Biden. And I think that that's to his credit, but there are, there are people who defend Biden who I respect a lot who say, and therefore, this is kind of a bullshit issue. And that leaves me really cold because, especially in the Trump era, where uh, where the partisan politics, where the politics against the opposition is all really in the, in the mud. It's all like really dirty, um, almost like unfair play levels of dirty, like slander and stuff like that. You really do want the leader of the of the Democratic Party um, to be able to parry, to be able to just defend himself and use the fact that the opposition is full of these bad faith actors telling lies against them. And uh, you know, I I gotta assume that age was part of the reason why Biden and his entourage decided he would have a more withdrawn presidency. I think some of it was I want to be the anti-Trump. I you know I, I don't want to impose myself. On an exhausted, but it's it's so, definitely a big part of the reason they haven't pivoted off that. Yes, right, exactly, I mean, exactly. And and you and, try and, and like, things, and I think that thing has not clearly not worked. And it, it, I, I realize it sounds a little meta, but I do think it's important. Like, I think it's wrong to say Biden is too old to be president, but I think it's maybe right to say Biden is too old to run for president against Donald Trump. And that's a big problem because it looks right. like so, the 2024 but, election is going to be Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. But so, but so I, I do want to keep like pressing on the the connective tissue between this and other kind of tensions in the coalition. Because like you you brought up right like Biden's great noun verb 9/11 uh, movement, right? I I think it's interesting to watch that clip you know, on a number of levels, because like, yes, it shows you a younger Joe Biden who talks faster um, and sort of pivots more. But here's what he says. Rudy Giuliani, I mean, think about it. Rudy Giuliani, there's only three things he mentions in a sentence, a noun, a verb, and 9-11. I mean, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. And I mean this sincerely. He is not qualified to be president. Here's a man who brags about how he made the city safe. It was the Biden crime bill that became the Clinton crime bill that allowed him to do that. They wipe it out, and he remains silent. The thing about that is that it's not just a question of Joe Biden's um, verbal fluency. If Joe Biden said that tomorrow, that would be construed on progressive Twitter by the leaders of progressive interest groups, by many Democratic Party members of Congress, and possibly by large swaths of his own team as a huge gaffe. You know what I mean? Maybe. No, I don't no, know. I, mean, it, I, I feel I feel like I feel I, like in 2020, 2021, yes. Mm-hmm. But like 
in part through your effort. Well, I mean, like, I mean, maybe yes, maybe no. I mean, may, maybe the worm is turned on this, but I just think like a, an issue that Biden has, <coughs> right? That the the Biden operation has is that like part of Joe Biden's thing is that he's like a party guy and he tries to be where the party median is. But the party median is just like, it has moved a lot since Joe Biden's heyday. And it creates, Joe Biden often has a, a, a complicated relationship with himself, right? In the positions he takes on a lot of contested issues. He gave a speech uh, back, I mean, I, we, I was quoting a, a debate from, from 2007, but if you go back to 1995, when they were talking about that legislation, there's this speech of him on the floor. It's like kind of a barnstormer, barn burner, rather. See, everybody misspeaks. Um, <laughs> and he's talking about how many more people are going to be executed uh, thanks to this legislation. And he's rebutting accusations that this is a liberal bill by talking about how they've expanded the categories that are eligible for the death penalty, how they've reduced the appeals, you know, and it's just like, we're going to hang them high with this Biden crime bill. And like, that's not Joe Biden's um, like current policy as president of the United States, right? Like, it, it's not reflective of his um the, the stated positions of his administration. Just or like, I think that he has himself, like, right. earnestly he, I mean, he, he's, he's moved. Issues. I mean, who knows? Or then at a fundraiser, the, I think the day before Hurd's report came out, Biden said, you know, he, he was talking to Democratic donors, and he said, like, I'm not for abortion on demand, um, but I think the Supreme Court got it right with Roe v. Wade. Uh, I think that's a totally good abortion rights message is a normal Catholic Democrat abortion rights message for a person of his age. It reflects the fact that like he is personally a church going Catholic who is experiencing a little bit of a conflict between the tenets of his religion and his commitments as public policy. But that is a message that NARAL and other organizations have spent decades successfully getting Democrats to drop. Like Nancy Pelosi used to say that because she's also an old Catholic Democrat, uh, but she stopped saying that. Um, Ted Kennedy used to say that, but he's dead now. And, you know, his whatever younger Kennedys used to be in Congress, like they, they didn't talk that way anymore. What does Robert F. Kennedy Jr. say about it? When, well, who's to say? When, when <laughs> Corinne, so Corinne Jean-Pierre, who's like, job is to talk to the annoying White House press corps, got a kind of annoying question about this. And she didn't have a good answer. You know what I mean? Like she was not prepared to back up Joe Biden's off the cuff remarks about abortion with like, here's the policy of this administration. And I feel like this, like it is both true that these are problems that are downstream of Biden being old, but there's also just a question of like, what what is the way to fix the problem, right? Because it's like you can wish cast various things, but feasible things that could be done, I think, are like Joe Biden could stand aside in favor of Kamala Harris, or the Biden team could accept that they have to put Joe Biden out there more, and they they them, say and they themselves is. have to be to do okay. what Trump's people do, right? Like when Trump comes up and he's when Trump says if Democrats win, they're going to rename Pennsylvania, 
And then I say, like, that doesn't seem true to me. What Trump's people do is they say that he was referring to a controversy about whether or not there should be a statue of William Penn in some national park, which like it is true. Some NPS bureaucrat like tried to cancel William Penn. Then Josh Shapiro and the National Park Service were like, no, we're not going to cancel it. But like that did occur in the news. It's like vaguely relates to what Donald Trump said. And they just like they go with it. They're like, he's right. He's the leader. And it's a it's morally unattractive. But like, that's like your job as a press flack is to yeah, just but, like so, get on the fucking bandwagon. I think that there is there is a a degree to which Biden's more moderate instincts are the impediment here, but it's a smaller degree than than I think you're stipulating, right? Like I think I think for the for the most part, I think that if somehow through just being more present in the political sphere, Joe Biden pulled ahead of Donald Trump. That would be just infectious in the progressive world and progressives would be happy and would stop fixating on aspects of Joe Biden's policy agenda that they don't like, right? Like, I guess the the counterpoint that, that sticks out to me right now is there was like a, a, a subset of graduate students who are members of the United Auto Workers Union for weird union reasons, and they got upset that the union endorsed Joe Biden because they thought that that was like wasting leverage that they could have used to move Joe Biden on the war in Gaza. Um, But in general, what I think is if Joe Biden used the fact that there was a violent crime and murder surge under Donald Trump that went down under him to hurt Donald Trump and it worked, progressives would be pretty happy about it in general. I think that if this um, like bait and switch, this like dirty trick that Republicans pulled on the border security bill, if Democrats are able to persuade lots of people that Republicans are, are, are sabotage artists who are trying to hurt the country to help Donald Trump and they'll do it across issue spaces um, and it hurts Republicans, like progressives will be, will overlook their misgivings about that bill and feel good about it. Wait, but on so the other I, hand, on the, but, but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but here, here's, here's where I do think that this can run into, uh, like a space where I kind of agree with you, which is that if you turn it slightly differently, if Biden, if Biden were to go out there and say, I'm the real tough on borders guy, I'm the real law and order guy. I want the police out there cracking skulls. And Trump is just an imposter. I'm like, I own this issue space. That might hurt him. You know, that might get people like, we didn't sign up to rally behind a president who supports the most vicious forms of policing or is just like indifferent to the plight of migrants. We we support somebody who is willing to beat Donald Trump. And um, and you know, it it's a it's a small rhetorical difference. But it matters a lot. And I, you know, like maybe the issue is yeah, the but staff like, doesn't know what Biden's going to say. Well, but it's, a, it's you know, because I, 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 I want to draw actually a distinction between those two issues, right? Because so on the border bill, I think if you look at what like 
what are quote unquote Democrats saying about the border bill? They are saying what you think they should be saying. Yeah, mostly. And, you know, I mean, there's always variation, but like that is their message. And if the president of the United States was just like more present also saying that, like that would amplify the message, right? And that would be Mm -hmm. good. What's interesting to me about crime is that it's not just that like Joe Biden isn't on a Super Bowl interview talking about how murder went up under Trump and down under Biden. It's like genuinely not the case that the Democrats are saying that, right? Like that's not, that's not like an argument that is being advanced like on the White House Twitter account. Um, It's not being advanced by Hakeem Jeffries, you know, who isn't old, right? Like there's just some like, I, I don't know why. Um, I, I have not asked anybody. I ask people about certain things. Um, I mean, I, I have that, a theory. That, that one, that, I mean, I, I can have theories too, but it's like- but, I, but the theory is not that they're scared that progressive activists are going to freak out if they if Democrats seem like they're on the side of police. I, I, think, the I, issue, I think the I think the issue is that they understand what issues, how issues are coded, and that because of race, essentially- Policing and border security are coded Republican. And even if they point this out, it's not going to change many people's impressions. I mean, I I, I agree with that on some level, right? It's a salience issue. It's an issue ownership issue. But I just think it's like, I don't know how to put this. Um, Because you're so old. I want everybody to be clearer as to like exactly what are they saying. When they make these kinds of criticisms, I'm thinking a lot about, um, you know, so like Nate Silver has like been on a tear about how Democrats, quote unquote, have like fouled up by not mounting a serious challenge to Joe Biden. And like, you know, it's just it's important. I think this is like the biggest mistake that like 100 percent of people make when they talk about American politics, like Democrats who. Right. Like, who, what? Right. And so you can ask yourself, do you wish that the governor, an incumbent governor or senator had mounted a primary challenge to Joe Biden? That's like a that's a thing to say. That's specific. So then the question is, like, which one? Right. And what does that person say during the campaign? And like opinions will differ on this. But like knowing his takes on other things. I don't think that Nate Sil- – I think that if a viable campaign had been mounted against Biden, it would have been a challenge to Biden from the left and that like Nate Silver would have ended up supporting Biden in that kind of challenge. Now, when left-wing people tell me they wish somebody had challenged Biden, I'm like, well, I, I, I don't agree with you, but like I do think that you are making sense that like somebody could – be running against Biden now on a platform of cutting off aid to Israel, of being more aggressive in, um, you know, tamping down on oil and gas production, um, you know, and of, of various other like championing of progressive causes. And I think you could gain some real traction with that because Biden would want to offer an electability argument, which was big for him in 2020, but he's like down in the polls to Trump. So I don't think arguing electability would get him very far. And he might very well lose to a challenge like that. Uh, But if that's the thing you're saying, like that's what people should say. Or alternatively, if you think what nobody seems to think, which is that like, 
I would like to see Joe Biden give a speech in which he says, you know, I am 100% up for the job of president of the United States, but that is a full-time job, and I do not have the energy to also be presidential candidate. And that is also an incredibly important job. So I am giving that job to my friend and partner, Kamala Harris. Like, I just like, I never hear anybody saying that that's the thing that they want either. So then it's like, well, I I, I wish Joe Biden had four arms. I wish he could grow okay. wings. I okay. wish he had laser beams shouting out his eyes. So it's just like, what so, is it? What is it that we, uh, unless you're saying that like, you want to vote for Donald Trump, like what? What, what does anybody what, yeah, want okay. to happen so, here? So, so I, I wish I, people had listened to me about Kamala Harris back in July of 2020, and you know, like I, I don't know what's going on. Like I and I've written this take not just about her, but like multiple cycles. Like if you look at like Abraham Lincoln, right? Like fucking awesome president. His successor was terrible. His successor was also handpicked by Abraham Lincoln for very short-term, superficial political reasons. And it's the biggest mistake that presidents make is not taking their VP selection seriously. So, um, I mean, it's very straightforward from here is that Biden has to accept Merrick Garland's resignation. He's got to appoint Kamala Harris attorney general. And yeah. then step aside and problem will be solved. So, look, I took- Wait, and then and Michael I, Johnson becomes president? No, no, no. Just not run for election. You know, he, he could try to get a VP appointed by the Senate or whatever. Ah. But, uh, but just like, I will not be running for re-election. There is no vice president to be an incumbent. In fact, the vice president that I had is now attorney general, which is a non-political position for the most part. So she, you know, it would be inappropriate for her to simultaneously be <laughs> AG and run for president. But don't you so think the field is open. tricky to pull off? No, but I mean, like, in all, no. in, in, in all seriousness, I, like... um. Now, the most fun scenario from like a sheer, wouldn't this be cool, would be <laughs> Biden sticks with the status quo. And then the day before the convention, he just like chaotically withdraws at the last minute. And then you have a completely unstructured floor flight. Yeah, that'd be fun. I mean, <laughs> right? Like that he, could would order be team, he could order SEAL Team 6 to, to murder Donald Trump and then I'll just... I just won't care who wins the election anymore for the most part. The uh, um nah, nah no Mike, you can leave that in. Um <laughs> the Okay, I take the I take and have always taken and I still mostly take this critique seriously that the problem for the people who want to see somebody like Gretchen Whitmer or Raphael Warnock run for president instead of Biden is that he's been a pretty good president. And so the only case to make against him or the 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 the, the most compelling one is is he's too old. Uh, and nobody thinks that that's good enough a basis for a presidential primary campaign against an incumbent president. And so nobody's done it. And like, nobody agrees with me on this, but I was pretty pissed at Biden. Um, and I, I still think it was a big mistake when he negotiated concessions to Kevin McCarthy over the debt limit, something that Democrats had said they had learned their lesson about they were never going to do again. And I mean, he didn't concede as much as Barack Obama conceded when Republicans extorted him over the debt limit, but he still validated this idea that Republicans get to take these things hostage and get and get free stuff from, from Democrats out of it. And I thought there's a basis for 
somebody, if there's an ambitious Democrat who wants to run against Biden, it's that he went back on this problem and not just I'm running against him because he, 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 you know, made these um, appropriations bill concessions to Kevin McCarthy in this debt limit fight, but that his style of politics, his view about dealing with Republicans in the 21st century is rooted in the 20th century and it's, it's outmoded and it's dangerous to have a president who doesn't realize that he needs to draw hard lines with these guys. And I think that that would have been like reasonably viable. Like people would have said, okay, there's a real critique there, but now we're like moving uh, into a, into a place where it's like, I think that if the, her report had come out in November or October or something like that, then somebody could just say, I want to like, Yes, this is unfair, and I don't think that Robert Hur is some sort of expert in Joe Biden's acuity, but life is unfair, and he's losing the election. And in part, it's just because people don't think that he's up to it, and there's no way for him to convince them of that because he is old and so sorry, but we need to be realistic. Like, honestly, there's – if Dean Phillips I mean, I, were I mean, kind I, of a clown and, and like didn't want to like root his – candidacy and something bigger than than that and so you just flailed around trying to find it if he had just said it's just unfair i understand it but like i don't want to lose to donald trump i think that that suddenly you're in in, in a, a more compelling place and like the thing about kamala harris even is that she could say yes my polling against donald trump has always stunk but like i i know how to mix it up because I'm not well, I, I just, old and, and okay, but 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 here's 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 where I I get to like the substance of this. Like, I think that Democrats are struggling due to some fundamental like issue positioning type considerations, and that this um, fixating on Biden's age is in part like a cope around that, and part of the evidence that I see for that, right, is like Harris polls worse against Trump than Biden does. And specifically the reason that she polls worse, or she is perceived as more liberal than Joe Biden, right? And she polls worse than him. The testing of Whitmer and other kind of figures has been scarce on the ground, but it generally shows them doing a little bit worse than Biden. Whereas, like, when they test Nikki Haley against Biden, she does way better than Trump, right? Like, the doubts that people have, there are, like, multiple percentage points of Americans who don't just, like, express certain kinds of concerns about Donald Trump, but who, like, move in the polls when you give them a different Republican option. And we just don't really see that among Democrats with the exception of the one guy who I have seen polls does clearly better than Biden in a head-to-head matchup is Joe Manchin. And like, I would be thrilled if Democrats ran Joe Manchin instead of Joe Biden as president. But like, I'm not even going to suggest that as an idea because 
it's absurd. I mean, it's not absurd to me, but like people don't want that. Like, I think that you Democrats are really angry at Joe Manchin. I think that you have a somewhat hyper literalist conception about how I, this I do. Data I, I am incredibly literal. People okay. can ask me that in all walks of life. And like, I think that, uh, no, no, but I mean, you know, when I, I saw a NBC news did a poll where they asked people, um, you know, did Trump's presidency like go surprisingly well or surprisingly poorly? And they asked the same about Biden and Biden did worse on that metric. And they put up like a word cloud, um, to ask people like, why were they disappointed uh, by Biden? And he's too old was on there, you know, as a as a thing. As was like he's not as liberal as I thought he would be. But those were both relatively small. the The big ones that popped out were inflation is bad, uh, border security is bad, and he hasn't been bipartisan enough. Which like. It's it's not that that's like a news flash. Like as you said, like people have known that like border security is a Republican owned issue forever. Crime was also on there, but in a small way. That's another GOP coded issue. But it's just like people look at the news environment because I I have read my Will Stansel. I'm not going to say that people have an unmediated look at reality. But the impression that people get from news coverage is that the main problems in American life today relate to border security, crime and disorder in American cities, and the kind of ongoing struggle against inflation. And those are all Republican-coded issues. Biden continues to have a strong advantage on climate change, on abortion rights, and on health care, which are like the classic Dem issues. So you can do some razzmatazz to like make people care more about those things. Um, we've seen the Dobbs effect is very, very real. I think that if we had left-wing protesters up in Republicans' faces talking about abortion rights rather than up in Democrats' faces talking about Gaza, that like that would shift the news environment in a more constructive direction. But I don't think, I, I think that a younger president or a younger candidate might do better in various ways because they might be able to do something in the media that's like different. Yeah. They might, they might perform better, but there's like, there's a step, right? It's not just, well, you would be out there and you would be answering questions more rapidly. Like, I think you would have to say something different than what Democrats are currently saying. I'm, so and we can, what, we can debate what that would be, but like, it's not, it's, but people people do these jokes, right? There's these like uh, AI generated images of like Joe Biden with a beard, and he looks way better. Um, but like, I don't actually think that like bearded Joe Biden would perform dramatically better. I don't know, maybe, but I <laughs> the um, if he like threw a cane into the mix, um, the my thinking about this is that. In actuality, inflation has been basically at target for a few months now, right? Um, and Joe Biden really did call Republicans bluff on the border. Um, and, um, you know, I'm willing to give it more time. Like, I, I have no say. I, I'm willing to give it all the time in the world because even if I decide Joe Biden shouldn't be the Democratic nominee – 
there's nothing I can do about it. Um, but maybe, maybe those two things will, will move his poll numbers. Um, I just don't think that, you know, he could, he could say yes to like liquefied natural, natural gas projects and go even farther on the border. And I just don't honestly think that that is what's happening in the, in the mush of, of American brains when they're deciding what to tell pollsters, they think about candidates, right? Like, I mean, I, Joe, I, I, Joe, like but, Joe, but, Bi- Joe, but, Joe Biden but, but, outperforms but, but, Whitmer because nobody knows who Gretchen Whitmer is. No, but that's, I think, relevant and important, right? Because people do know who Donald Trump is. And they have a negative impression of Donald Trump. And same thing with and Harris, people, and, even and though people do, it's like and people a little... do know who Joe Biden is. Yeah. And they have a negative impression of Joe Biden. To the extent that the concern is genuinely motivated by age, I think, like Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, I don't really have a clear sense of who she is, ought to clearly outperform Biden. But like, I think that these are fundamental doubts that people have about the post-Obama Democratic Party and its ideological dimension. And but again, they, but, I, and again, like, but, I, but Biden the, underperforms every Democrat in 2022 in special elections. Like the Democratic well, Party brand I mean, actually but, seems all right. No, but it's the, him. The, the, I think that this special elections thing, I think, because I, I bet we we are recording in advance of a special election where I think uh, Democrats will probably do well in Long Island. It's going to generate another round of this, but like. I think Nate Cohn has shown that like the special election electorate, the like super voters are just like a strongly pro Biden group. And that if we can arrange in November, I sorry, he had a poll that showed this, right? We looked at like, how is Biden doing among the people who voted in 2022? And Biden's up three. And how is Biden doing among people who have never voted in a midterm? And by and Trump is up 10. Right. So like, I I think the sense the midterms is misleading people about this. Uh, But but also, here's here's where I keep coming back to, right? Like, this is my fundamental thing. Um, There's this article, uh, you know, in The Hill today. And it's just like, these are the articles that are driving me crazy. It says, Senate Dems privately fear Biden's age could cost him the White House. And they got a quote here, quote, in all of our lunches, it's never been discussed. It's kind of amazing, said one Dem senator. And this is like the thing that I keep hearing in the media is this idea that like nobody is talking about this. Right. And then like, and then like, and then like, and then like, if only like, what would they say at the lunch about Biden's age? Right. Like, that's my question. So we have a lunch, right. And somebody says, I'm going to stop ragging on Sheldon Whitehouse. So I'll make it somebody else. Chris Coons says, Hey, I've noticed that Joe Biden's age seems to be hurting us at the polls. Right. And then, um, the, uh, you know, Patty Murray says, I agree with you, Chris. Biden's age does seem like a problem to us. And then Chuck Schumer says, as caucus leader, I will take a consensus among us and I will march to the White House and I will deliver the news to the president. And so it's like, what do they want Chuck Schumer to say? Right. Look, like maybe, maybe somebody there, right. Somebody like really dumb, like, yeah, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to name it. Not dumb. Somebody who takes it at face value. Right. Um, Gary Peters will say, given our concerns about the president's age, Chuck, 
you should tell him to step aside in favor of the vice president, comma, who is younger. And then like, is everyone like, that's it. We fixed it. By having this conversation about the president's age, Look, we have reasoned our way to a solution. And it's like, you know, um, back back when we worked at Vox, um, Ezra, Ezra used to give me a hard time because I would show up all the time with like, we got a big problem here, man. Like, we got to do something. And then after I would whine for five minutes, he'd be like, what do you want us to do? Like, you have to have solutions or there's no purpose of the meeting. And like, I have ideas about how Joe Biden could do better, and they involve becoming more moderate across the broad range of policy issues. I'm and glad like, you brought it back to and this. Like, because that could be implemented. It might I, not work, but he definitely could do it. I, I, He could try. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly, not against it, just insofar as like beating Trump is the thing, right? But like- we can stipulate that a lot of the discourse around this is extremely stupid. Um, but I think that there are problems with your assessment, right? Like it is, it is just true that there are Democrats in very good standing with progressives. Like, I mean, rest in peace, Harry Reid, who had the same view about abortion as Joe Biden. And, um, and so I don't think that that has much explanatory force. And then you have this question of like, okay, why doesn't Gretchen Whitmer, who nobody knows, and Joe Manchin, who maybe a few more people know just because he's in the mix of some national reporting, why, like, why, why does Biden poll slightly better than Whitmer in the, in the little polling that we have and slightly worse than Manchin in, in the little in, – now, it could be that when pollsters go out and ask that question, people are like, I happen to know that Joe Manchin – uh, has taken a harder line stance against democratic climate initiatives than Joe Biden. And I happen to know that Gretchen Whitmer did a free school lunch thing. And so she seems to me to maybe be to Joe Biden's left. And so when I answer the pollster's question, it's going to be on the merits and it's going to be about where they fall on the ideological spectrum. And I just don't think that that's what happens at all, right? Like, especially in a, in a situation where we're in right now, where Joe Biden is the incumbent, and the people who answer the pollsters' questions have some feeling about him and about Trump and about what should happen, right? Like, pollster says, Joe Biden's president, do you support him or Trump? What if it was Gretchen Whitmer? You know, some people might know who Whitmer is and give, give a, like, a, a experience-based answer on that. Um, some are like, I'm a Joe Biden supporter, and I'm going to say, like, a negative thing about Whitmer because I don't like this being in the discourse. Like, I don't like that I'm confronted with this question. And then, like, some people are going to say they're going to be, like, Republican voters, and they're going to know that Manchin is, like, a conservative Democrat, and they're going to say Manchin. But in reality, when it comes time to have a Manchin versus Trump election, they're going to come home to Donald Trump and you're going to find that the polling has been defective because it was a stupid poll, right? And like what the the way we actually would figure out who was a stronger candidate would be for Gretchen Whitmer to run a campaign and make people know who she is and see that she's got a lot of charisma and um, a lot of substance, a lot of real heft. And then you could do the poll again and it might have a little bit more explanatory power, but I just think that it has none. Um, and that it didn't really, and that, and, and that like looking at, at polls in this way is, is persuading Democrats that there is 
no problem here, or at least a problem that couldn't but, but in this, theory but be this, solved. But, the, but this is what I'm saying. Like, I, I think this myth that Democrat, this was my complaint. It's like, I think this idea that Democrats don't acknowledge this problem is itself the harmful myth. Like there are two problems. No, they just I, don't. They don't want to do anything about it. They and they can't I, and I, think I, I, of anything to do about it. That no, no, work and and. But here's the thing. I think like deep in their souls, like Democrats would just like rather lose this election than moderate. You know. Well, I think and no. So, I, and so the I think that they might actually rather become, lose this election. No, like like Chuck Schumer. The the, the scenario you painted was right. hilarious and stupid. But but like I genuinely do think. That if the if the Democrats who do the math for the party committees and who lead the party committees and who are the party caucus leaders in, in Congress, if they, without making the public aware of it, you know, without putting it on their schedules or whatever, went to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and said, this is not working. And if you guys don't accept the reality that it's not working – we're going to lose the whole country. And we hope we will not tell anyone that this happened, that we had this meeting, but we hope that you guys will do the responsible thing. Mm -hmm. Like that is, you know, out of, in some sense, it seems like vaguely like cinematic and it only happens in movies. I actually don't think it's a crazy thing to expect responsible people to be willing to consider doing. I just don't actually think that the people who run the democratic party, uh, can will themselves to behave that way, even though clearly they should, I think. I mean, maybe not today, but if it's April and Biden is down 45, 50 to Trump, are we really like, like, is, is it really just the case that like the only choice they have is to try to pass more right wing legislation? No, I mean, look, I, I, I'm not saying that. Like I've said at the top, you know, I said in my, in my piece on the site today, like, I think that Biden needs to like try harder to run, you know, yes. and like do more press and, and do this kind of stuff. And like, I, I agree that like, in some sense, it would be good if like people just changed their preferences and dropped their personal ambitions. Just like what I want to push back against is the idea that like the information that many people feel that Joe Biden is too old has like somehow not been conveyed or adequately discussed. Obviously. Like I, I don't think that it is the case that like Joe Biden has not uh, heard this take, you know, I mean, maybe, I don't know, you know, like maybe Joe Scarborough needs to do a segment where he's like, a lot of people say that Joe Biden is too old and then maybe Biden will be like, Oh shit. People say that, but like, I think he. I think I think okay. people know. But you know that, what? You know right? what? Not stupid is that. So I, 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 somebody in my house watches Morning Joe, and I'm not gonna throw this person <laughs> under the bus. Uh, but I, I get to overhear what Joe Biden or I did it. Joe Scarborough says about Boiler's too old. <laughs> Boiler's too old for sure. Wait, oh, I promise. I promised Mike that I would avoid shouting. <laughs> we're we're our, forgetting everything. Our like, mix. <laughs> we are we are we are we are proving Joe Biden's case that he's not too old for him by fucking up in the exact same way as he he does. Um, Scarborough's very defensive of Biden when yeah. the age issue comes up, and we know that Joe Biden likes the Morning Joe show, and I do think that if Scarborough said something like what I just said in April or May, if it looks like sticking with 
the Biden-Harris ticket is going to return Trump to power. That like Biden, as somebody who I think has a fairly standard mixture of vanity, ambition, and civic mindedness in his heart, right? He's a he's like a he's like a very typical kind of politician who wanted to be president and achieved it. Um, he might listen, you know. He might say, as much as it stings my ego to not be able to prove the doubters wrong, I can't in good conscience lead my party to defeat against this guy. Okay. And let me, let me, let me make a pitch for consensus. Okay. Okay. Cause here I will, I will raise two points of evidence against me. Um, it's true that in the head to head matchups, uh, Whitmer does not do better than Biden, but she does have a better state specific approval rating than he does in Michigan. Um, as is Josh Shapiro in Pennsylvania. I think that, if you could somehow hand the reins over to one of them, which I don't really think you could, and that person like threw Biden under the bus a little bit and like said like the border was his fault as well as Republicans, that like he let this crisis grow, but like then he came to the table with good solutions and now Republicans are blocking them, but like I'm great. You know, that might work, right? It provides you an opportunity to like, get out from under the inflation and like say like I didn't do that. Um and we're here we're here with the healthcare, but I'm still stuck on the fact that like I just don't think this is like it, it seems to me like the most kind of like preposterous like Aaron Sorkin wish casting that is be that is like I feel I feel a little I feel a little as like as like why is like and, why aren't Democrats getting serious and I'm like why aren't you getting serious? Like, I not, look. I I I, I I don't want to. I don't. I don't want anyone listening to think I don't understand and am not somewhat self conscious about how silly I feel. Maybe Republican that- leaders should point out to Donald Trump that he keeps saying the country is finished unless we stop liberals, and that Nikki Haley is a much stronger candidate than he is. Appeal to his conscience. To stay but there, the but there, but there, but there, like genuinely were Republicans who no, there did. Were. You know, like before. Um, Okay, how about this? How about this as a um as a as a way to to like tie Biden's age to an actual liability in his governing? Is it because Biden is old, he has an outmoded sense of what is good politics against Republicans? Because of that, he appointed Merrick Garland to be attorney general. Because he appointed Merrick Garland to be attorney general, he got Robert Hur to be the special counsel in this dumb classified documents case. And so he is now reaping the consequences of his old man fuddy-duddy view of politics. And all Kamala Harris has to do to get Joe Biden out of the race is pin the um, like like victim blame Joe Biden for the damage Robert Hurd did to him. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm skeptical. Um okay, I I feel like we've 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 aired about as much of this um as as one realistically can. Um but I mean, if Biden's going to run for president, he's got to run for president. Yeah. Right? When I mean, you, okay, cuz that is what say, it comes down to. I I do think it's on. like I, I do think that, like it would be productive for us to put a pin in this and do another maybe another like free episode. At some like around some date certain, right? Like where, you know, today, 
Democrats can and do say. It's early. Usually, the other party would still be locked in a competitive primary right now. And we'd be waiting to get the campaign underway in the spring or maybe even in the summer after the conventions. And so all of your misgivings are premature. And like, I kind of think that that's a fair point and kind of don't, but we can be generous and say, all right, why don't we have another conversation about this in like April or May if things haven't turned around? We'll see. uh, We'll see. We'll see how, how old Joe Biden is by May. (laughs) (laughs) What if he's younger by then? Has he, has he reversed the passage of time? Well, it's my birthday on May 18th. So we can, uh, we can check in after that. We'll All see. Right. We'll see if if the linear passage of time continues. <laughs> uh, once I'm 43, um, I, I I think it will. Um, so we are not. Uh, yeah. What do we got? <laughs> he he wants hot take. No, this is for all free episode. You're not getting yeah. hot takes. Yeah, hot takes are for the paid subscribers only. Uh, okay, you gonna outro us? Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, politics is a Maddie Glacius Brian Boitler joint. Um, all episodes are produced by our great producer Mike Shane. Follow him on Twitter at Sugar Shane. Oh, I should spell that because it's a weird spelling and probably tens of people have gone looking. S-C-H-O-E-N. All right. See ya. <laughs>